Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, if you follow along here in Exodus chapter 2, I'll start reading in verse 1. And there went out a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then said her sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee? a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away and nurse it for me. Thy wages will I give. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. For she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now, in our last study, we focused on this scene of verse two, where we read that Moses' mother, and her name was Jochebed, leaned over holding the ark in her hands that contained her baby Moses. And it says there in verse two these words, she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. In that act of her taking her hands 100% off the ark and by prayer put that ark 100% into God's hands. We saw how that is what the Bible calls in Proverbs 16.3 and Psalm 37.5 a commitment, commit or roll our works, our burdens to the Lord. We saw Jochebed do this in an impossible situation when she could reach the point where it was not possible, she could not longer hide him. It wasn't possible for her to hold him anymore. And so she rolled her burden off of her back onto God. And we saw in her act, not just an act 
but a way of life for us as believers, as followers in the Lord Jesus Christ, to have the spirit of constantly rolling the burdens that are impossible for us, burdens of our health, burdens of work, burdens with relationships, and rolling them on to the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we feel like we're tormented by one worry after another worry, and we can find ourselves just caught up in a kind of like a, a sucking vortex of worry. What should we do? What should we do? This is where Jochebed is so valuable to us because we remember that when she realized that she could not longer hide him, she put the baby in the ark. And when we reach that not longer stage in our lives, it's time for us to put the baby in the ark. It's time for us to commit our works and our way unto the Lord. And when we get to worrying about death, Will I suffer before I die? Will the morphine work? Will I be resistant to it? Then we need to remember how the Lord Jesus Christ used that word commit as he was dying when he quoted in Psalms 31.5, into thy hand I commit my spirit, thou hast redeemed me. Besides, most of us worry about things that when we are really honest and we look back, they never happened, but we worried about them. And if we took time to really look back and to see that it never happened, then we would say to ourselves, all the energy, all the adrenaline, all the stomach acid was not necessary. So we see in Jochebed a real help for us, a real learning example. Why? Because she's a typical mother. She has a mother's heart to protect her son. She's not just any typical mother, she's a typical Jewish mother with a heart that over wants to protect her son. And when we look at Jochebed, we can see that she was at a crossroads. This is important to see about Jochebed. Jochebed didn't just float into this commitment level, but she really came to a point where she had to choose. And so when we consider the crossroads that she was at, and we consider the time when we get to those crossroads, then we realize we can choose to go down the road uh, marked with the sign the avenue reads, this is the way of worry without God in the equation, where most of what we worry about never really happens. And it's a battle for us, it's a battle for her to not give in to the suction to go down that road. But God has another way for us, and that's the way to resist worry, and that's the road that's described in Jeremiah 33.3 when God says, when you get to that crossroads, Go down this road, label this road, call unto me. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33, three says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Let's imagine Jochebed the night before she was to put, she put uh, little Moses in the ark. Just imagine her the night before. Let's imagine her the actual morning that she did that when she put her baby in the ark, and how easy it would have been for her to give in to worry, go down that road, worry without God. And let's just imagine what then she lived to see. For example, the night before Jochebed might, the night before Jochebed put the ark in the water, she might have given in to the worry that no one will find my baby and he'll be lost. See that thought. No one would find my baby, and he will be lost. But what did Jochebed live to see? She lived to see her baby found, not just by anybody, 
but found by the daughter of Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. The night before she put the baby in the ark, Jochebed might have had no sleep, and she might have been there worrying all night, giving into the worry, my baby might die from being exposed to the elements. I can't bear the thought of it. I can't bear the image of my baby in a slow death dying from exposure to the elements. But what did Jochebed live to see? She lived to see her baby protected from the elements by being clothed in royal clothes and living in Pharaoh's palace. The night before, she put the ark into the water. Jochebed might have been up all night worrying and giving in to the thought, my baby will be killed by wild animals or by Egyptians. But Jochebed lived to see her baby in the most powerful position of set to rise to the throne of Egypt. The night before, Jochebed might have given in to the worry that her baby would die a slow death of starvation and thirst. But Jochebed lived to see. She saw her baby return to her safe and sound, and she saw herself feed her own baby with her own breast milk. And later, Jochebed lived to see all of Egypt bringing her baby unmeasured amount of food and drink. So the Bible says in Isaiah 49, 15, it's actually God speaking about Israel, but the, here's what it says. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? We can imagine Jochebed on that morning when she removes her sucking child from her milk to put him into the ark. And that morning, Jochebed might have given into the worry that within four hours, her baby's gonna be crying out for milk for his next feeding. Oh no, then what's gonna to happen and she'd be in agony as a woman who cannot forget her sucking child, which she has this desire to feed him again. And if she had given in to that worry, then she later on, she would look back and she says, you know what I saw? I saw my sucking baby return to me, return to me. I saw myself feeding him again within four hours for his next feeding. And Jochebed was even paid to nurse her own baby. Then after Jochebed had lived to see all that, we can imagine Jochebed sitting down with us. Let's say, sit down with us. And there she was. She was sitting down with us. And we might say to her, Jochebed, what can you tell me about what you learned? We know about what experience you went through. We read about it in Exodus 2. But tell us, Jochebed, what did you learn from that experience with your baby? And Jochebed would say, well, from what I went through, I can give you advice. And the greatest advice that I can give to you, and Jochebed would look us in the eye, we can imagine she would say, you know, I remember. I remember that night before my baby was put into the ark. I remember it so clearly like it was just now. And how I was so strongly tempted to walk down that road of worry without God. Oh, the temptation to worry was so strong. But I can tell you this, that I live to see that when you face the unknown and when you are tempted to give in to worry, that it's better to pray and trust. It's better to pray and trust by not giving in to worry. Instead, turn that desire to worry into a giving of thanks to God. Give God a vote of confidence by thanking him. First, thank God for hearing your prayer. 
Then she would say, then thank God for answering your prayer, even before you see it. Then she would say, thank God for using the answer to your prayer to show you great and mighty things that you knew not. And Jacobeb would then say to us, let me explain. I had no idea that God was gonna use the answer to my prayer to protect my baby to show me such great and mighty things, great and mighty things as having my baby be found by the daughter of Pharaoh. Great and mighty things as having my baby clothed in royal clothes. Great and mighty thing as me nursing my own baby again. Great and mighty things as having my baby set on the throne to become the next Pharaoh. Great and mighty things as having my baby fed with the food of the palace. And going through all of that that I went through, she would tell us it was worth it. It was worth it because I walked away with a prize far more valuable than just getting the protection of my baby. I walked away with the prize of learning how great, how mighty, and how loving and caring is my God. And I could not have learned this just how great, how mighty, how loving, how caring my God is if I had not been separated from my baby and if I had not committed my baby to God. Through the committing, she would tell us, through committing my baby to God, I found out how great God is and how great he takes care of what is committed to him. So she would say, I'll tell you what, you wanna talk about that, what happened in the rescue of Moses? I was the winner. I walked away with knowing that God heard me. I walked away with knowing that God answered me. I walked away by knowing that God taught me through this answer just how great, just how mighty, just how loving, just how caring he really is. And there was no other way I could have learned this except by what happened to my baby. Now, what Jacobeb saw unfold before her with her baby was really the truth, a wonderful verse that's given to us in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In that verse, the Greek word for work together is the word synergio, synergio which is where we get the word synergy from. In fact, it's interesting because in the New Testament, that word is translated in several places as fellow workers, fellow laborers, companions, and it really has the picture of working in a cooperation with each other. Those that are working in such a way that they have an eye on what the other's doing, and they are doing what they're doing in coordination with what the other's doing, cooperating. So the verse is really saying that all things are working in coordination, in a cooperation with each other, in a complementation with each other, like a relay race where one runs his course and then passes the baton off to the next runner, but each runner is watching the other so that he's ready to do his part when his turn comes and he's got his hand out and he's watching the hand of the other so that hand goes to hand the baton to pass from one to the other and it's a beautiful picture of synergism, of working together. That's the picture of this word. So basically this verse is saying 
not by chance, not by accident. And that's what uh, Jacobeb saw in the history of her baby. It was not by chance, she would tell you. She would say, we, I know that all things work together for good. She would say, it wasn't by chance, it wasn't by accident that Pharaoh's daughter just happened to go down to the river that day, at that time, for a bath. God put it in the heart of that Egyptian princess to go down to the river at that time for a bath. It was God who made her feel dirty and in need of a bath at that particular time. It was not by chance, it was not by accident, she would tell us, that the water currents and the little waves carried that ark that Moses was in over to right where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. God controlled each current, God controlled each little wave to guide that ark with Moses in it over to where Pharaoh's daughter was. And we can just hear the angels in heaven as they were guiding and controlling the currents and the waves with all the coordination, and we could hear him saying, ark number one, coming in for a landing. God put it in the heart of that Egyptian princess to feel sorry when she saw the baby in the ark. God caused Moses, baby Moses, to do something that he should never have done because it would reveal his presence when they were hiding him, to cry. And God caused him to cry, and God caused that Egyptian princess to defy her father's order and save that baby. Josephus, the historian, the Jewish historian Josephus, tells us that Pharaoh, this Pharaoh had only one child, and this was the daughter of Pharaoh, and that the name of this Egyptian princess was Thermetus. And God caused Pharaoh to only have one child, a daughter, who could not herself become Pharaoh. Josephus also tells us that this Pharaoh's daughter and her husband were infertile, so God caused that couple to be infertile. And we're gonna see, we've seen here how Moses' sister Miriam made a suggestion to this Egyptian princess to find some Jewish nursing mother to feed the child, and God caused that Egyptian princess to accept Miriam's suggestion about finding some Jewish nursing mother to feed the child. Now, the lost, they don't see it that way. The lost, they don't see those things working together. They say, hmm, that was a series of very fortunate coincidences, but we're saved. And the saved see those things as working together because we see God in his sovereign will making those things to work together. We see those things so clearly as God making them working together, as it says in Romans 8.28, that it starts with those very important words, we know, as if we're planting a flag, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know it's a state of confidence. We know it's a vote of confidence. We know it's assurance that God is making all those things work together. Now, what is another verse that also talks us about the all things work together, and they work together for the glory of God. It says in Romans eleven thirty six, for of him and through him and to him. So from him, by reason of him, and for him as a purpose to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. And that's why it also says in Hebrews 2.10, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And fourth, in Job 5.13, it says that God taketh the wise in their own craftiness. The word wise and taketh in their own craftiness are the key points of that verse. What could be more wise than a Pharaoh who says to his subjects in Exodus 1.10, come on, let us deal wisely with them lest they multiply. What could be more crafty than to devise the ingenious double plan of enslaving all the Jewish people and killing all their male newborns? But Job 5.13 says that God causes the counsel of the foreword to be headlong. The word counsel means advice. What could be more like counsel or advice than for a pharaoh to introduce his plan to enslave and to exterminate with words like, come on, let us deal wisely with them. And Job 5.13 says that God causes that counsel of the foreword to be carried headlong. The carried headlong is a key phrase there and it means to basically be overturned. So keeping in mind that Pharaoh had two fears about the Jewish people which he expressed in Exodus 1.10 when he said, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, fear number one, lest they multiply and it come to pass when they fall without any war that they also join into our enemies and fight against us and so get them out of our country, fear number two. So get them out of our country, his first fear, lest they multiply his crafty plan kill the male newborns. His second fear was lest they get them out of our country. So his crafty plan was keep them in the country by enslaving them so they could not leave Egypt. Pharaoh's wise, crafty counsel to his people was to kill their newborns, their male newborns, and keep them in the land by enslavement. What could be more of a God-made overturn of Pharaoh's plans than for Pharaoh to say, I'll keep Israel in slavery, for Pharaoh to say, I'll keep Israel in slavery, and then God causes that same Pharaoh to prepare the very man, Moses, who will deliver Israel and take them out of slavery. That's our God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we praise him. That's why we thank him. That picture of Pharaoh saying, I will enslave Israel to keep them here. And then Pharaoh preparing the very man who delivers Israel from the slavery and takes them out of the land. Pharaoh was full of wrath, full of wrath. And what did that wrath cause? It caused a negative reaction probably on the part of his daughter that caused her to defy her father and to pressure him so that he ends up preparing the very man that is going to totally overturn his plans. The wisdom of this world, that was Pharaoh. Pharaoh and his plan. And what did God do through Moses? Made it all foolish. It was foolish. God has said about his Jewish people in 1 Kings 10.9, the Lord loved Israel forever, period. The Lord loved Israel forever. In Zechariah 2.10, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, he is speaking to Israel, he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. That means, basically, God is for the Jewish people, and people who are against the Jewish people are against God. Pharaoh, he had a wisdom, he had an understanding, he had a counsel against the Jewish people, so that wisdom, that understanding, that counsel that Pharaoh had was against God, and it was overturned. In the book of Esther, we read how Haman, he also had a wisdom, he had an understanding, he had a counsel that was against Mordecai and Mordecai's Jewish people. 
and that was to see them exterminated. So Haman had a wisdom, he had an understanding, he had a counsel that was against God. And just like Pharaoh, Haman's plan was overturned so that Haman wound up exalting Mordecai by leading Mordecai on the king's horse through the city, and finally Haman ended up being hung on the very gallows that he had built the night before to kill Mordecai. Now, verse 10 tells us, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now we see the time when Moses has grown, and thanks to God, Jochebed has nursed her son and been paid for it, that's hilarious. And everyone has rejoiced for Jochebed. Oh, can't you imagine the happiness around the family there? Everyone has rejoiced for Jochebed that she was able to nurse her son and even be paid for it. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. 